It's another edition of the Bullers Extra Podcast on this early Sunday morning after another close game played by the Bullermakers, but this time they won it. Something they didn't do against Penn State, something they didn't do against Syracuse. So they're able to, to win this game by two, 28-26. And now that's um, their last four games against FBS programs. That's FBS programs. This does not count Indiana State. But their last four games against FBS programs have now been decided by a combined 12 points. You go to Tennessee in the bowl game, you go to Penn State, you go to Syracuse, and then you've got this game. I believe it's 12 points. Uh, their record in those games is 2-2. Two two. Uh, so they've, they've lost. Obviously, they had two games this year they, they probably could have won. Um, and then tonight they they did win, but they could have lost. Uh, and probably in, at some level should have lost. But Florida Atlantic self-destructed, like Purdue self-destructed in Syracuse. So, as you've heard many times, things have a habit of evening evening out through the course of a season. And I think uh, some of Purdue's misfortunes uh, <laughs> rubbed off on Florida Atlantic and helped, helped Purdue's cause a little bit. But, you know, with this game, first of all, Purdue's missing Aiden O'Connell. Uh, and that, you know, you can't, you can't just gloss over that. And, and think, well, that's that's not a big deal. It, it's it's a huge deal. Um, and, you know, the first drive, it didn't look like a huge deal. But as you get deeper into the game, it becomes a bigger deal. Because Austin Burton just doesn't have that kind of experience. He's a different quarterback, different makeup. Um, you know, and after that first drive, things stalled. Um, things didn't go the way they they did on that first drive you know Purdue you know lean more on the running game because that's what Austin does best but uh, I think Purdue's offensive line um, once again I you know I thought did a did a pretty good job in the run game um, you know they they churned out a bunch of yards Dylan Downing had 113 yards on the ground uh, he's Purdue's first 100 yard rusher since 2020 when Xander Horvath uh, had 101 against Rutgers. Uh, but things stalled. They, they just did. Now, would they have stalled with O'Connell in the game? You know, I, you don't know. But, you know, you just can't gloss over the fact that, uh, well, Austin Burton, you know, wasn't as good or didn't do as well as Aiden would have done. Well, yeah, that's correct. But... You know, Austin also making his first start since he played at UCLA. Um, and although you can prepare all you want in practice, there's still the game action and the speed of the game. And Florida Atlantic had a lot of speed, uh, probably more speed than Purdue overall. Um, but I, I just don't think you can ignore the fact that O'Connell, you know, didn't play. That That's a factor. And, you know, injuries are not excuses. Injuries are not a reason you win or lose. Uh, but you, know, you have to take 
that into account a little bit of how this game played out um, and things like that. And the same with Jalen Graham. And Purdue's missed Jalen Graham for three games. Uh, the Indiana State game didn't matter. And you know, I firmly believe if Jalen Graham plays against Syracuse, I think Purdue wins that game because, um, as you know, I have a high opinion of Jalen Graham's talents and what he can do at the college level and potentially what he can do at the NFL level. Uh, I, you know, I think Purdue wins that game with Jalen Graham on the field. And I think if Jalen Graham's on the field tonight, you've got you don't have the breakdowns that you've had. But you just can't ignore the fact that these guys don't play. Yes, that's why you have depth. That's why you recruit. That's why you have a 85 scholarship roster. But, you know, in Purdue's case, there are certain players you can't take off the field and just replace them. And the two guys that are missing for Purdue are two guys that you just cannot replace. You know, go go back and look when David Bell didn't play. Who did Purdue have to fill that spot? What what would have happened if George Karloftis didn't play? You know, you're taking your stars off the field. Now, in the in the bowl game, George and David didn't play. There were a lot of guys out, and Purdue held its own and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I think the bigger point is you just can't ignore the fact. But you have to look what happened in this game and what um, and how this may benefit Purdue as they as they jump back in the Big Ten play and this team even with O'Connell and Graham has a lot they have a lot of concerns I mean they have issues that need to get uh, fixed and worked out and the number one thing is the penalties are still an eyesore and Purdue only had five tonight which is uh, a marked improvement from last week but the OC brothers late hit penalty was just damaging kept a drive alive and they went down and scored um, and it could have been you know it could have that could have been the play that that prevented Purdue from winning but they, they've got to get a handle on the penalties now you know Jeff Brom said afterwards that OC brothers apologized and uh, he knew what he did was wrong which okay that's that's fine but you know you still wonder if the message is still getting delivered in a way that it needs to be delivered that these these penalties are costly it's not that well they could be costly they are costly and they have to do a better job and if it's up to the players to hold each other accountable then they need to do it um, so it didn't fully bite Purdue but it could have and probably should have at the end you know they've got to get that under control I mean it's just it's plain and simple it was better tonight but it wasn't you still had a couple penalties that you're you're like well you know that 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 just can't happen in this situation in these situations but you know when you look at what Austin Burton did Purdue had a better running game and that's a direct result of him being able to run the ball and the, the threat to run the ball. You know, Purdue's offensive line, as I mentioned, did a good job. Dylan Danning had a good game. Devin Mockaby ran the ball well. Kobe Lewis got involved. You know, Purdue does have, have some options in the running game when you get past King Daru 
and you you know you do want King Daru back because he's one of he's one of your better backs, uh, and it just gives you more depth and more reason to um, you know to to lean on that. And you know I, I you know I love the fact that Purdue's a, a, a passing program. They're the cradle of quarterbacks. They're going to sling it around and they're going to they're going to play an exciting brand and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I think that's what Purdue should be uh, and what it needs to be because they just, they're not going to line up and run over people. But you do have to sprinkle in the run. You do have to be more aware of the run. And I think tonight, you know, Jeff Brown was forced to think more about the run because he didn't have O'Connell. And he didn't have his, he didn't have the most accurate passer that has come through this program in a while. Uh, so it forced him to do some different things, and it, and, it, and it worked for the most part because you got a lot of yards rushing, you ate some time off the clock, you got in the end zone. Now, when you needed <laughs> when you needed to close the game out, you couldn't you couldn't do it because you know the inability not the inability to run the ball, but the running game didn't get you enough where you could close it out. And they tried a little uh, dink pass to Payne Durham on on third down that was designed to get the first down, but FAU played it well and, and stopped Durham short. And Brom said he considered going up for it, but he decided to punt. And then you're putting the, the ball and putting the game in the hands of your defense again. Uh, you know, Purdue, Purdue needs to figure out a way to end the game on offense by getting a first down here and there. And that's, as you know, it's been a struggle. It's a reason why they're two and two. Uh, so they've got to figure that part out as they get back uh, in the Big Ten play. But, you know, there were a lot of things to like offensively. And, you know, Charlie Jones had another big game. Didn't have a lot of yards, but he had a lot of catches and found the end zone a couple times. Uh, so, it, you know, Payne Durham wasn't as much of a factor that he was uh, last week. You know, the surprise was Devin Mockaby uh, in the passing game. And, you know, Brom said afterwards that 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 part of Mockaby's game is not a strength. He's not a, a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And But there were a couple times where he was just left wide open. And he was able to, to make the catch and make the play and, um, you know, and help Purdue score. So, um, you know, I thought offensively, they got outgained, uh, but you know that's kind of irrelevant at the end. But uh, they had good balance. Um, but here's the thing: you got to understand, I think, about the offense. They're, they're going to play one way with Austin Burton, and they're going to be more balanced with Austin Burton because they're going to run the ball a little bit more. They're just not going to throw it as much. With O'Connell, they're going to throw the ball more because that's his strength. You're not going to run Aiden O'Connell because that's not what he does. So, you know, they're going to be two different offenses depending on the quarterback. But, you know, the question that keep and the question that's going to come up, it's like, well, you know, how do you how do you balance that? How do you how do you get how do you get more out of your running game when O'Connell's your quarterback? And how do you get more out of your passing game with Burton as your quarterback? You know, those are two I think questions that uh, that you have to search for answers. Now, the bigger question is how long O'Connell is going to be out. 
Uh, Jeff said he could be back next week or he could, it could linger. Now, a lot of that just could be a smokescreen not to let Minnesota know what's going to happen. And that's, that's the thing, you know, and I, you know, on social media, people, you know, I feel like on social media, Twitter, especially everybody like drinks a lot and they get brave and they just start posting stuff that doesn't make any sense. Number one. And they just, you know, they start pounding their chest like, well, why do we know about these injuries at the last minute? Well, because they're trying to keep them secret. That's why. You know, that's, they don't want the opponent to know who's hurt and who's not playing. I mean, it's, it's what happens. Now in the NFL, they have an injury report and you can't do that. But in college, you can. In high schools, you can. I mean, you don't have to tell anybody about your injuries. And most of them don't. But why do you have a right to know? I mean, is that going to determine whether you buy a ticket or not? Yeah, I mean, it might in some some cases, but, you know, the other thing about, you know, what what people think they deserve to know um, when it comes to, uh, you know, this stuff is that, um, you know, they just, you know, they, they feel like they, they need to know everything or they should know everything. I mean, I, I understand the desire to know everything, but... Some things you're just not going to to find out until the very last minute or not at all. You know, Jeff didn't reveal what O'Connell's injury is because he doesn't want, he wants to protect Aiden O'Connell. And I know I'm, this is, I'm taking a side road uh, from what, what we were talking about. But as you know, if you listen to this thing long enough, you understand that I, I kind of go in different directions and, uh, I'm like the um, the hurricane map uh, when when a tropical storm fall uh, forms, and they have that spaghetti chart that just kind of goes all over the place. That that's that's me in the podcast. Is I, I just start talking and whatever direction it goes, it goes. So sometimes I get on these tangents. If you're a newcomer, if you're an old timer, you you know what what's happening, and you and you bear with me, and you and you survive it. And whether you fast forward it or not, I have no idea. But that's that's how I compare this podcast. It's it's the spaghetti chart when the hurricane first forms and what path it may take. Uh, and the reason I'm thinking about that is I was watching the weather the other day and they're like we got this massive hurricane gonna come and hit uh florida or the or or the united states next week like 10 days from now like how how do you know that i mean uh, or it could veer off and not hit anybody but anyway back to the game and what i you know was talking about like jeff's not going to tell you what o'connell's injury is and i know people speculate they put it out there and then all of a sudden you think well i that's that's true. That's that's what it's going to be. That's what it is. Well, he's not going to say it because he's trying to protect Aiden. You know, you don't want to put Aiden O'Connell or any player in a harm's way because teams will come after injured players. Just the way it works. It's what's going to happen. Does Minnesota know what Aiden O'Connell is ailing from? Uh, 100% they don't. Did Florida International find out what Aiden O'Connell was ailing from? Sure they did. Or Florida Atlantic? Did they? Sure they did. Uh, but he didn't play, so he couldn't He couldn't get hurt. You know, if he plays at Minnesota, then um, 
you know, you can bet that they're, they're going to come after him to try to try to hurt him, number one, and knock him out of the game. And that's just that's the way it works. That's what, it's what's going to happen. Uh, but but anyway, back to the game as I get my spaghetti bowl back in back in focus. You know, defensively, uh, Purdue's secondary and its cornerbacks are just not playing well. And they haven't played well all year. I mean, they just have not. Uh, they miss a lot of tackles. They get beaten. Well, there was one play where two guys were chasing a receiver, uh, and they wasn't anywhere close to him, and the ball was overthrown. Um, but Purdue secondary has got to improve. Now, what would help the secondary is if Purdue got more pressure up front, if they were able to disrupt the quarterback a little, little bit more. They're getting some pressure, but they're not disrupting enough. Um, and they just, you know, the fix for that, A, is to get some sacks or make the quarterback move off his spot. But the other fix for that is, you know, probably blitzing a little bit more and getting more pressure in there and bringing, but then you leave your, your secondary on more of an island than it already is. And how much do you want to do that? Uh, but Purdue needs to get more pressure. They need to get more. Um, they need to live in the backfield a little bit more. Um, they didn't have, I don't think they had a lot of tackles for loss in this game. Um, and then they, they struggled to defend the running quarterback again, just like they did against Syracuse. They, um, he was, a, you know, Perry was able to get out on the edge or get up the middle and get some big gains. And, you know, as you get in the Big Ten play, um, those things will really – I mean, next week you got Tanner Morgan, who's not a, a terrific runner, but he's an accurate passer. And those RPOs that they run have burned Purdue time and time again. And, <laughs> excuse me, they have to – they have to be able to adapt with that. But when you have a running quarterback, that's where Purdue has struggled here uh, this year, I think. Uh, Sean Clifford wasn't a running quarterback, but he was a scrambler that was able to to move the pocket a little bit and buy some time for him to find uh, an open receiver. So defensively, you know, I think Purdue can be uh, a good defensive team, but I also think they're they're several steps away from being there because number one, they're not getting enough pressure up front in, in as far as in the passing in pass defense, and then number two, their secondary is just not, and specifically the cornerbacks are just not playing well. They're just not. And Reese Taylor didn't play uh, Saturday, so you, you you were left with Jamari Brown and Corey Trice for basically the whole game and you you've got to have more than two two guys back there and so you need Reese Taylor back but you know Reese Taylor's not been playing well he had a he had a really good camp in the parts that we saw but since the games have started he has not performed uh very well uh but you know Purdue was able to make some plays back there with Chris Jefferson Sanusi Kane um, so a little, you know, a lot of a mixed bag, but, uh, those cornerbacks are going to have to defend really well next week against Minnesota and the RPO game. Um, 
and if they don't, it'll be another long day, uh, especially with what Minnesota can do on the ground. Uh, Tanner Morgan, who smoked Purdue a couple years ago, uh, I think it was 19 of 20 or 20 of 21, something like that. Uh, so, you know, they've got their work cut out for them. And really, when they run that RPO game, it's hard to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you're, you're better off probably just getting your hands up and trying to knock down balls that way. But, but you know, tonight is a win. They're 2-2. Two and two. Could they be 4-0? Yeah, they could be. They could also be 1-3. and three. Uh, They're that close. Uh, the margin for error remains so small for this team uh, that they need to to really, really limit their mistakes and their penalties and all that kind of stuff. They had a fumble. Charlie Jones had a fumble early in the game. You know, Austin Burton with Purdue, uh, I think Purdue was in field goal range. And, you know, he throws an interception. Uh, So those are mistakes they have to avoid, whether that's Austin Burton, whether that's Aiden O'Connell, or whether that's anybody else. You know, they've got to avoid the turnovers. They've got to avoid the the mistakes. They've got to be they've got to be better better people when it comes to penalties. Uh, there's just a lot of things that they have to clean up uh, if they're gonna um, if they're gonna contend in the Big Ten West. You know, I think before the year, I think we all thought that uh, they'd have a shot at winning that division. I thought that I thought that they could go deeper into the year. Um, and contend for the Big Ten West than they have in previous years. But a lot of that was predicated on staying healthy, making sure your top players remain your top players, and getting some help from, from, from other people, uh, making sure the transfers had an impact. So a lot of things had to line up right, and they still, they still could. But it's not trending in that direction right now. And now you, you jump into the, the toughest part of your schedule, uh, when you look at it, I mean, they're all going to be, you know, from here on out. You, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've said this, and if you remember, kudos to you. But I said Purdue's going to play a lot of close games this year. And other than Indiana State, Purdue has played a lot of close games this year, and that's going to continue to happen. Um, although there's some potential here for them not to play a close game in the next two weeks based on who they're playing because the other team may just run away and hide uh, based on what we've seen from Purdue uh, uh, so far. But, you know, if they they get O'Connell back and you get Jalen back, you know, that improves their chances uh, so much, but there's still a lot of work to be done. It doesn't solve the issues it maybe helps you curtail some of them. And, you know, that's – but they they need their best players on the field if they're going to contend for the Big Ten West. You know, they need their best players on the field starting this week. And you can't speed up, you know, the healing process of, of, of injuries. Uh, so, you know, you just have to deal with what you have. And right now um, – you know, Purdue had moments where it looked looked good. And, you know, what they probably needed to do tonight was just that first drive, if they could have built on that and had that become the norm 
throughout most of the first half, you know, build a 7, 14, 17, 20, 24 point lead or have a, you know, a, a, you know, a cushion of three touchdowns or 17 points. Um, then I, you know, I think people would feel uh, a lot better going into to Minnesota next week. Uh, I know, I know the coaching staff would feel uh, a lot better, but you know, right now there's no fool's gold with Purdue. They are who they are. They are who they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be one offense with Aiden O'Connell. They're going to be another offense with Austin Burton. Both can work. Both have worked, and they're just going to have to to go with what they have and, and figure it out. You know, I think next week they're going to have a really hard time running the ball uh, against a physical defense. They've had problems against Minnesota ever since PJ Fleck. Well, you go past, go beyond PJ Fleck. They've had troubles with Minnesota over the last decade for whatever reason. They they play physical, and Purdue just has not stood up uh, to that. Uh, but if it's Austin Burton, if it's Aiden O'Connell, you know they, they still have some. They still have a lot of challenges that await them in that game. And then, you know, we could go through every game on the Big Ten schedule the rest of the way. You know, Maryland can put up a bunch of points in a hurry. You know, Maryland. What Maryland ended up scoring twenty seven points against a pretty good Michigan defense. Um, you know, they, they throw it around and they can run it. They got a big offensive line. Um, you know, Purdue has, you know, Purdue has a really, really difficult month of October, but it's not any different than what other teams are going to face at some point. They may not face it all in October. They may face it part of October, part of November. So, you know, at at some point, everybody's going to, going to have to deal with the, a very very challenging schedule in the Big Ten, and uh, this this is the time of time of year now where it becomes, you know, it becomes for real. Um, sure, you'd like a a better performance, uh, a more convincing performance coming out of this game, uh, but you didn't get it in part because I think O'Connell didn't play, and you didn't have Jalen Graham. I think that 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 played a factor into to how this game went. Um, but the, you know, I still think the fact that the defense was able to close this game out the way that they did should be beneficial uh, to them because they they didn't close out Syracuse, they didn't close out Penn State. And I know Florida Atlantic's not at that level, but I think just for Purdue's own mindset, closing the game out the way that they did should. Uh, help them the next time that they're in it. Uh, they they should have some confidence there. They should have, um, they you know they should have something that they can draw on that will will help them the next time uh, they are in that situation and they will be in that situation possibly uh, this week. All right. Well, we appreciate you stopping by, uh, and yes. Uh, this was probably one of my better uh, rambles of insignificant stuff. So if you if you still if you're still hanging around after 
28 minutes. Thank you very much. If you understand any of it, more power to you. All right, well, next week we'll we'll preview the Minnesota game. We'll hook up with someone that covers the team and to give us an insight on on what's going on with the Gophers. They're undefeated. Uh, they had a huge win at Michigan. I mean, they, they drilled Michigan State. I mean, they pummeled Michigan State, and, and that surprised me. That, that, that does surprise me, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of P.J. Fleck, uh, but, you know, I don't know him personally. I just know what I see uh, him as a coach and how he, how he deals with things, and, and, you know, and I don't, I don't like him in that role. But he may be a great guy personally, for all I know. But anyway, they had played a extremely. They had played probably a softer non-conference schedule than Michigan, and Michigan probably played the worst non-conference schedule of any Big Ten team. Uh, because Minnesota's three teams that they played before uh, Saturday were combined zero and ten, but they come out and just hammer Michigan State, thirty-one to seven. I think that was the the final. I mean, they just hammered them. I mean, they destroyed them at Michigan State. Um, so the question becomes, is Minnesota good enough to overcome the weak early schedule? And, you know, the small sample size after one Big Ten game would tell you yes. And they've had Purdue's number, uh, and Purdue's going to have to rise up and punch them in the mouth and match their physicality. Because if they don't match their physicality, they will get blown out. They will get run out of Minneapolis, and they'll run all the way back home. And that's what, you know, Purdue's going to have to face. They're going to have to match their physicality, whether O'Connell's the quarterback or Burton's the quarterback. And, you know, physicality is not running the ball all the time. Physicality is, you know, making plays, fighting for the ball, you know, and then defensively, they're going to have to, you know, take away the run and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, we got into too much of a preview for next week. Um, I've gone on long enough. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, it's very early in the morning. Uh, it's time to go to bed, and that's where I'm headed. Anyway, we appreciate you stopping by. Have a good day, and we'll we'll preview the Minnesota game coming up next week.